like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prudes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. I am Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for another BDSM United podcast in our Setnax Sex Magic series. This is an intermediate series. This is focused more on helping you become a better magician so you can become a better sex magician so that you can better focus your will and inject intention into the sex magical practices that you uh, that you'll do. In our first series on this subject, we we talked a lot about the different practices. Different. We pulled from a variety of different traditions and mystical traditions, so that you could um, learn like some of the rituals and things that you could do. In this one, in this series, we wanted to focus on more of a personal development aspect to magical practice because ultimately it's it correlates to bdsm because a lot of the mastery and self-mastery that is present in bdsm is also present in this initiatory magic and so you'll find that as you develop one you're really developing the other and so um, developing yourself spiritually Um, carries over into developing your character and your mind and just making you a better partner, making you a better master, dominant, submissive, or slave. In an old Egyptian manuscript, one can read, Thou shalt know that all battles can be won through silence. Silence has always been one of the most difficult states for man. The creation of sounds has been the highest priority, even if a longing for silence also has existed. All magical, philosophical, and religious traditions have emphasized the importance of silence. The four basic principles of magic, also called the four pillars of the Temple of Solomon is one, to know, to will, to dare, which is third, and to keep silence. Let me repeat that again. Number one, to know. Number two, to will. Number three, to dare. And number four, to keep silence. In silence, there's a force that lies beyond speech and the dimensions of sound. A student of magic must learn silence. There's no demand that always the student should be less talkative or silent in that regard. But you must be able to do to be so. Sorry. An important exercise for the magical student is to be completely silent and not speak at all for certain periods of time. During these periods, the magician should avoid contact with other people, of course, because 
partly because it's easier to be silent alone and partly to be able to hear what silence has to communicate to you. Other people will inevitably make noises as they shuffle and stir about. It's best as well if one can do this exercise outside like in a forest or maybe in some other natural area. When one is able to be silent for hours or even a day, the period can be stretched out to several days. Now, this may sound like a long period, but it's actually brief in comparison to the magicians who practice asceticism, those who leave civilization for months or years to enjoy complete silence. The next step is to turn off the inner dialogue. Uh, we find uh, this emphasized in by the magician Don Juan in those ris- interesting books by Castaneda. The constant inner conversation of thoughts that dominate man's mind keeps one firmly stuck in the ordinary, limited perception of reality. If you haven't read, read those books about Don Juan, the magician Don Juan, they're fictitious works filled with magical insights, and they're really kind of an interesting story. Um, to me, they're kind of a little frustrating personally because uh, I don't learn super well in allegory. I learn a little bit better directly and so they frustrate me a little bit but uh, I've read several of them just because they're somewhat of a a primer for magical practice and I like to read a variety of books that should that challenge me and that really those books really did challenge me it can feel like a very difficult task since we're often dependent on our confused thoughts by shutting off these thoughts, the mind is opened up to a new reality. It is, in, in reality, rather easy to shut off the mind and silence the inner dialogue. We believe that thoughts are our identity or our self. But the truth is that sometimes they hinder us from seeing our true being by their incessant flickering and their babbling. If each and every one would be fully conscious about the chaotic movements of his or her thoughts, madness would follow. But as mentioned earlier, it's far easier to calm your thoughts that are generally understood. It's really, you need to try to catch them. Here's a Zen story to illustrate. A monk asking for a teaching said, I have no peace of mind. Please release my mind. Place your mind in front of me, the teacher answered, and I will release it. But when I try to find it, the monk said, it is nowhere to be found. Look, the teacher yelled. Now I have released your mind. As humans, we have a need to reflect ourselves and others. The need is especially strong during childhood and early adulthood. 
the time during which we shape the image of ourselves. But we also have a need for an inner room in which we can be isolated and alone. Different individuals develop this inner room to different degrees. A magician in time builds up an inner temple. One must unlearn the tendency to mirror and reflect oneself in others constantly. A magician must be able to differ between other people's images of themselves and the personal inner image. The ability to keep silent on all levels assists and protects the magician. The silence becomes a gate through which one can travel to other dimensions, but silence also becomes a shield and a sword. Through silence, the magician may obtain new knowledge and wisdom, because in this silence, the god of silence is whispering secrets that may never be spoken. On the physical level, the magician uses magical rooms that open up gates to spheres or dimensions beyond the mundane mind. Rooms can be temporary, like when the magician uses a magical circle. The circle becomes a magical space, enabling contact with other realities. Or they can be permanent, such as a temple, uh, a cult place, a special magical temple, a room, an altar. Um, also, the magician should mentally and astrally uh, create magical rooms or focus areas which can be entered when accessing the magical states of mind. The room can correspond in part or totally to the physical magical room or some other physical place. In this case, the magical room becomes an astral counterpart to the material room since this can enable the limit between the astral and the, and the material sorry, to decrease. The magical room can also be completely imaginary or visualized and be constructed around a fantasy, a mental picture, or something from a dream or an astral vision. This astral room is often called the inner temple or the astral temple, and it's the place where you as the magician go during meditations, dreams, during journeys to rest and gain power. I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for this uh, BDSM United podcast in the Set Next Sex Magic series. Hopefully you're learning a little bit more. Uh, you now know that you need to develop an inner temple. Silence helps develop that inner temple, and you need to begin to build a room or construct a room uh, in, inwardly, an inner temple room. It's a sacred space. It's a, it's a space all your own. It's a space inside you, an inner temple. Just chew on that for a bit. You can find all of our resources at www.bdsmunited.com. When you're ready to break the silence again, we'll have another podcast for you. It was a joy speaking with you today, and I'll talk with you again soon.